Hi, and welcome to Follow Baptist Church's weekly message podcast. My name's Luke Williams, and I'm the lead pastor, and we're thrilled to have you joining us. We hope the message today inspires you and helps you follow Jesus in your community for His glory. Here's the message. When I was a young boy, my grandparents lived about two doors down from an old-style Gothic cathedral that was built in the early or late 1800s, I should say. It was one of those old-style cathedrals that you see in movies. It was the grey stone, the old English look to it, but it had this huge spire and a cross on the top of it. And when I was a little boy, I used to love to sneak off from my grandparents' house and just stand there and look at this spire because to me, that spire looked like it reached all the way up into heaven. And as I started to get older and walk around the town a little bit more, I soon realized that you could see this steeple and you could see this cross all across the town. And it kind of filled me with a little bit of comfort and a little bit of hope in that if I ever managed to get myself lost, which would have been pretty hard because of how small the town was, I could always find my way back to my grandparents' house by looking at the skyline and spotting this cross. Years later, I started to think more about that when one day in a university lecture hall, we were learning about symbolism and the lecturer started to talk about the symbolism of the cross and what it meant to the various generations. Now they started talking about the fact that spires on churches were not built that tall accidentally. There was a reason behind it and it wasn't the reason that a lot of you might be thinking. A lot of people think that churches were built on prime real estate with a tall spire with the cross on top as kind of like the early billboard to advertise the church, but that wasn't exactly the case. Early town planners realized that if people could look around and spot that spire and spot that cross, it would fill them with hope. And if they were going through a tough time in their life, that was always there as a reminder of God's grace and God's hope. Now, things have kind of changed over the years a little bit, but you still see churches like that wherever you go. And it kind of expanded even more on that because in the early American period, churches was often the only place inside a village that would actually have a storm shelter. So people would look for that spire, look for that cross to know where the storm shelter was. Yes, the church was there for people that needed shelter. It's kind of ironic when you think about it. Now, as the generations have gone on, I see that church no longer has that hope for a lot of people out in the community. Over the last couple of years, as I've gone through my Facebook feed, I've read more and more of what people's opinion are on church from outside of the church. I see people posting things about mega churches, dodging tax, about churches, hiding pedophilia and refusing to discuss it. And it really made me think that church no longer for a lot of people has that meaning of hope. It has an entirely different meaning. So when I was reading through the chapter that we looked at this morning in Acts, it made me realize that that something has gone horribly wrong over these years. A lot of churches these days do not seem to mirror that church that Luke is writing about in that passage. Now, I am skeptical of some of the things that people say about churches. And of course, being inside a church, I don't believe that a lot of it is true. But something has happened along the way where that is the actual feeling that people get about church in the outside world today. So I guess the question I'm asking right now is where did we go wrong? 
where did church go so wrong that people no longer look to church for hope? Or I should say a lot of people don't look to church for hope because of course a lot of us still do. And I guess the best way to answer that question is with another question. How do we as the modern day church go back to the fact that we should be providing hope for the community and for those around us, not just those who regularly attend church or declare themselves a Christian? One of the things that really surprised me about this year, about 2020, the year that for many will be absolutely disastrous, is the fact that our church, Follow, is not viewed the same way as what a lot of other churches are in the community. I've had two incidents over the last few months where I've seen how people view Follow in our officer Packenham community. The first time I was on a bus, sitting down, reading my Bible app, and the lady next to me saw what I was reading. She leaned across and she said to me, are you reading a Bible? I said, yeah, I am. And she said, are you a Christian? And I said, yes, I am. She then followed up by saying, which church do you go to in this local community? I said, I go to follow church. She looked at me and without one moment of hesitation, she said, oh, you're that church that's always out helping the community. I thought, what a great way for people to view our church. Then a couple of weeks after that, I was talking to a truck driver who was actually making a delivery to the Blessed Collective. He started to talk to me and he said, I'm not a Christian. I don't really believe in God, but what do you guys do here? And when I started to tell him a little bit about Bless, he turned around and said, ah, oh, you're linked to follow. You're the guys that are in the park on Tuesday and Thursday nights. I thought then what a wonderful way for people in our community to know our church. And it got me thinking that our church is viewed that way, but so many other churches are viewed differently out there in the real world. And why is that? Again, I bring it back to 2020. This year should have been the big game for churches. I'm a huge sports fan. And one of the terms that we hear time and time again in sports is a big game player. So what is a big game player? Well, a big game player for the sports that I love in Aussie rules or basketball is someone who goes through the entire season and does what they need to do, but then they really step it up when it comes to the finals or the playoffs. A great example in AFL football would be Dustin Martin. Look what he did on the grand final. He turned it around. He is a big game player. 2020 should have been the big game for most churches out there. This was a year where there were more people in need than any other time in human modern history. Of course, we saw the same thing happen during the world wars. But if you go back and have a look at those times, often the people that were out there and helping people were Christians, churches. But I have to say, and I'm a little bit disappointed to say that, I didn't see that as much during 2020. Some people that I really respected, some Christians that I really, really respected during this year seem to be posting a lot about the fact that they couldn't go to church because of restrictions or they had to wear a mask and they hated it. And I was thinking at that time, this is the time that you should be out there on the street helping those that are really in need. And I'll admit that I was one of those people a couple of years ago. I was going through a real phase where I couldn't work out why churches did so much to help the needy. I kept on thinking that for a lot of these people, they can, they can help themselves out of this mess that they're in. They, they don't need that help. But during 2020, I saw it firsthand exactly how people need help. 
I helped deliver packages to people that, that burst into tears when they saw that they were going to have a meal for that night. And it made me rethink, and it took me back to this chapter in Acts where it is so easily set out to what a church should be doing. If you go back and read Acts, you realize that the hope in God is like a two-way street. Sure, the people inside the church that's talked about here in Acts had that hope of eternal life and knew that they were going to end up in the kingdom of God because of the belief that they had. But then in turn, they gave hope to the community around them, a different kind of hope, but a hope that saw them sell their possessions to help those that really, really needed it. And in turn, it says that those people in the community then started to come into church and ended up with the eternal hope as well. Hope is a two-way street. We can't expect people in these days and times to just walk into a church because they're curious. Those days are over, sadly. In order for people to win that trust back with church, we need to give them a hope. And for a lot of people, that hope is seeing a church help the needy, but also for those people that need that food or need vouchers, it gives them a hope in their own life that can ultimately lead them to eternal hope as well. The thing is, it doesn't always have to be a big thing either. It can be something that we all do. If you look back into the New Testament and look at the story of Jesus, Jesus did so much for so many people, but it didn't always have to be a huge thing. I lost count. I tried to go through the New Testament and count the amount of people that Jesus helped and you lose count very, very quickly. But when you stop and think about how Jesus impacted those people, he didn't ask the question, do you go to church on a Sunday? Are you a believer? He just helped them. There were people there that just reached out to Jesus and he helped them. And I feel that that's what we need to be doing today. And it's a, a big cliche, but I kept on asking myself, what would Jesus have done in 2020? And when I say about small things, one of the things that we found in our street this year was our street came together in a way that it never has before. We knew one set of our neighbors pretty well. We'd stop and have a little bit of a talk. We'd talk about the weather. We'd talk about the football. We'd talk about movies because they're passionate about films as well. The other neighbors though, we kind of only knew them by sight. We'd wave to each other. Um, we knew they had a small baby, but it was just that kind of relationship that you have with your neighbors where sometimes we couldn't even remember their names. We would just do the good morning mate kind of thing. But at the start of COVID, we realized that our neighbors were in a really bad position. Um, they both worked, they had kids. So getting out to go and do get groceries and things like that was extremely difficult for them. So Lee and I decided that one of the things that we should do is when we go to the shops, if there's any toilet paper there and we've already got some at home, we'd grab some and put it on their doorstep, knowing that full well that they would need it and would probably miss out as everybody went out on their big spending sprees. So we started doing that and then we started just dropping off some food and stuff like that as well. It opened up a doorway that we'd never had with our neighbors before. We started to talk more, and then it really came home to me a few weeks ago. I was working really, really long hours, and I just could not find time to mow our lawn. On beautiful warm days, I'd be at work, 
and then I'd come home and it'd be raining and it was too wet to be able to do the lawn. One night, we were sitting at home and I was actually planning on mowing the lawn the next day when all of a sudden we heard a lawnmower outside our house. We looked out and our neighbor was mowing our lawn. And when I went out to speak to him, I said, do I owe you any money for this? Like, this is such a nice thing that you're doing. And he turned around to me and he said, you saved us during COVID. And it hit me in that moment that these are the things that we should be doing, but not just during the COVID times. These are the things that we should be doing as Christians because of the example that Jesus set all the time. Instead of coming up with witty things to make comments about government online or complaining because we have to obey a restriction, we should have been using 2020 to actually go out into the community and show the community Jesus' love firsthand. One of the things that this year really reminded me of was a classic Seinfeld episode and a classic Seinfeld moment where George Costanza, the legendary George Costanza, is trying to find out the time. He's lost his watch and he's frantically trying to find out the time so he knows where he has to be. And he's stopping people as they walk past and he says, oh, can you tell me the time? And they all have a reason why they can't. Sorry, I'm late. Some just push straight past him. In exasperation, he ends up yelling out, we live in a society, people. And it hits me at that point that that's exactly where we are right now. There are people all around us that are calling out for help. In a time like we have had this year, there are more and more people calling out for that. There are people out there right now that you probably don't even think that are calling out for help. But these are the people that Jesus would have helped. And these are the people that in what Luke writes in Acts 2, he's talking about going out as a church and helping. Now, there's a song that I absolutely love. It's called Banquet Table by Paul Coleman. It's written from the perspective of a rich man who gets invited to go to a dinner party being run by Jesus. Now, this man is really excited. He's got this edgy, radical preacher, Jesus, inviting him to go to a dinner party. Jesus is the person that everybody is talking about. And this rich guy really has this feeling about, I want to get to know this Jesus. Like, this guy has got power. I need to get to know him. And that's the way that he's viewing Jesus. And he arrives at this dinner table all excited. And he's thinking that he'll look around the banquet table and there'll be Pharisees, there'll be rich people. He walks in to the banquet table and there's Jesus sitting with prostitutes and tax collectors. And this guy can't believe it. He, he kind of sits down and he starts to think to himself, well, why am I here? But more importantly, why has Jesus invited these people? I mean, look at these people, that the tax collector, he, he's, he's evil, he's vile. And these women, why does Jesus, a man of, with power and this stature, want to hang out with these people? As the dinner goes on, the man begins to realize that it's not the people sitting around Jesus that need to be saved. They're already saved. It's him that needs to be saved because of his attitude. And he says in the song, it says, forgiveness came and sweet belief. And then I saw why he invited me here tonight. Please forgive me. Like I said earlier, I had one of those moments this year where I realized that I wasn't 
living the way that I should be living. I wasn't helping people the way that Jesus would want me to help people. It was a moment of real reflection for me, but also a moment where I realized that things had to change. And I thought that I knew better because I was once involved in a church where I was looking after the outreach program and we would go to meetings and instead of talking about outreach, the people around me would start talking about how many tens of thousands of dollars they wanted to spend on a new projector. And that discussion went on for 12 months, two years. And I thought then that's not what Jesus would be talking about in these meetings. Jesus would be talking about how do we go out and spread the word by showing people this love and giving them hope. And that's really what I'm talking about this morning, giving a community hope. This year reminded me of someone who had a really big impact on my life. People who meet me for the first time and find out what I do for a job always ask me, which celebrity that you've sat down and interviewed has had the biggest impact on you? And my answer surprises them because it's not any of the movie stars and it's not any of the musicians. It's Father Bob Maguire from here in Melbourne. Father Bob had a documentary made about him a few years ago and I had the pleasure of sitting down and being able to interview him at that time. And I found out a little bit about his story that I didn't know. For those of you that don't know, Father Bob is a Catholic priest. He lives here in Melbourne, but he kind of was on the outer with the church because of what he wanted to do for the people that was around him. See, Father Bob would rather take the gold candlesticks that was delivered to his church and sell them and give that money to the poor. He also opened up his doors and let homeless people come and sleep inside his church of a nighttime, something that the hierarchy of the Catholic Church did not approve of. They did not like the idea of Father Bob doing that. And they made it very well known. And in this documentary, Father Bob talks about the fact that he was constantly at loggerheads with the hierarchy of the church. And he couldn't understand why, because for him, he was running his church the way that he believed that Jesus would run his church. He was running his church exactly the same way as the church that we read about in Acts today. And the really interesting thing is that I found at the time when I was doing the article on Father Bob, if I talked to people about the Catholic Church, they would often be negative. But the moment that I mentioned Father Bob, they would make comments like, oh, I know him. He's great. Their attitude towards the church would change completely. And I realized that the reason that that attitude changed was because Father Bob was doing what churches should have been doing for centuries, and that was helping those people that was in need. He was even going back to exactly what we read in Acts by selling off riches to help the poor. So where does that lead us to now? Like, what do we do as a church? Well, I would love to think that Absolutely everybody who lives in Packham and Officer was tuning in this morning and listening to this sermon, whether they're a believer or a non-believer. But that is absolutely ridiculous because, as we know, in these days and times, that's not going to happen. No longer, as I said before, is this the time when people kind of go to a church just because they're curious. 
often it's not preaching that's going to reach out to people out there in the wide world. It's going to be them seeing our volunteers in a cold Burke Park on a wet winter's night, feeding a homeless person. That will show them more about Jesus's love and what it means to be a believer than what a million of my words could this morning. If a church provides hope to a community, then it is more likely that that community is going to want to get involved with that church. And then ultimately, once they become involved with that church, they will get the hope of the salvation that we all have as well. When people see a church out in the community helping the needy and helping the poor, suddenly that church is not that weird, wacky bunch of God botherers that many see church as today. They are people that are part of the community, just like them, that are there to help. And that reveals more about the light of Jesus and the life of Jesus than any sermon ever can. So I think going forward now, for me, I want to ask myself, do I want to be one of those people that has all of the fancy things, all of the luxuries, or do I want to be that kind of person that makes sure that the needy are fed? Do we want to be a church where we have gold light fittings, but we ignore the hungry person who's sitting at the door that doesn't even have a, a piece of bread for the day? The Bible is full of passages, of passages that tell us how we can and how we should be providing hope for the community. And some of these passages are really, really full on. Deuteronomy 15.11 says, For there will never cease to be poor in the land. Therefore, I command you, you shall open wide your hand to your brother, to the needy and to the poor in your land. Proverbs 21.13 says, Whoever closes his ear to the cry of the poor will himself call out and not be answered. While Acts 20 uh, verse 35 says, In all things I have shown you that by working hard, this is the way that we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus himself, who said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. I would love to think that going forward, that these are the verses that we center our lives around. They're not just small passages in the Bible. They are very strong. As I read there, words like, therefore, I command you. It is so obvious when you go back and look through Jesus's life that Jesus wants people to be helping these people, helping the poor, helping the needy. And that is what we can do as a church, but what we can all do as individuals as well to bring hope to the community. Now, I feel really blessed to be part of a church that is bucking the trend on how society views the modern day church. I feel blessed to be part of a church that is seen by the community to be out there and helping the needs of the rest of the people in the community. And yes, while going on the plans that we have for building our church in Officer, we're not going to be building on the tallest hill and we're probably not going to have one of those spires that go right up to heaven. We can keep doing the things that we are doing now and perhaps even do more to show the community that we are a church that provides shelter. We can live by what Luke says here in Acts 2 and we can be that church that sets the example of Jesus and we can set the example to the people around us to show us what a church 
can actually be like in the community. So as we head into 2021, I wanna challenge everybody to remember the small things. Remember the small things that, that Jesus did in the New Testament, feeding the poor, being there for people that wanna to talk to us, checking in with people, not even just people in the community, checking in with people inside the church. Send them a text message, reach out to them. Remember that sometimes these people are not going to, to come and literally knock on your door and ask for help. Sometimes they're not going to ask for that help and they're not going to have that hope if you don't go to them first. There's also little things that we can all do every week and it's so small. Buy an extra couple of tins of food when you go to the supermarket. Mow someone's lawn. Donate your spare change to a charity. I, I this Christmas watched this wonderful movie called Christmas Jars. And it was all about a family in America who came up with this idea that whenever they went and bought a coffee or whenever they went and bought a paper, if it cost $4.90 and they paid $5, they would then put that 10 cents in a jar. They were doing it at the start to actually buy their Christmas presents. At the end of the year, they would go and get the jar and go and buy Christmas presents. One Christmas, while they were on the way to the bank to get the money changed over, they ran into a woman crying on the steps of the bank. She was disheveled, she was dirty, she looked like she had nothing. The little girl in the family was only about six or seven years old. Without a hesitation, she grabbed the Christmas jar that had about $800 worth of money in it, ran over and gave it to the lady and said, you need this more than we do. The lady didn't want to take it, she was embarrassed. And the father of the family at first was like, this is, this is our money, this is our Christmas money, what are you doing? And the little girl once again said, she needs the money more than I need a Christmas present. The father relented and said, yes, she does. He let that woman go away with that jar and it started something for their family. Every year they would do that. They would then find a family in their town that was in need and they would go and leave the Christmas jar on their doorstep so that that family could have something for that Christmas. And that idea spread. Soon other families were starting to do it. People who had received the Christmas jar one year and had got back on their feet would start doing it. It became a movement across the whole Midwest of America. And it showed God's love. People who investigated it started to realize that this came from a Christian family and it spread God's love in a way that the family never ever anticipated. So just remember that going into 2021, as a church, we have to give the community hope, but also as everyday people, we need to give that community hope as well. So start small, and I'm sure if you pray on it, God will tell you a way that you can provide this region with hope. Let's pray. Dear Lord, this has been an extremely tough year for a lot of people. And as we head into 2021, we know that for a lot of those people, this is still going to be a tough time. Lord, I pray as this new year comes upon us that as a church, we can continue doing the great work out in the community, but that you will also show us more ways that we can help more people. And Lord, I also pray for, for everybody watching this morning, and I pray that not only do they have 
a, a great 221 where you're there for them. But I also pray that you will help every person to find a way to also provide hope for the community. We ask this in your name. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to Follow Online. To stay updated, go to follow.church. As the people of God, let's stay connected and follow the words of Jesus to love one another.